0: As we turn the video recorder. How do you know that
1: your attitude stinks?
2: Ah, uh, because because uh, uh, it, it does. I cause a, a lot of fights. Even the other day we were at a concert, you Now, she's pregnant and she was like, Oh, I have a cramp and I rare I got mad. I was like, Oh, you're pregnant, you should be drinking lots of water. I shouted at her, and I cursed at her, and instead of just saying, oh, baby, I'll go and get you a bottle of water there now, which I did. But after, I gave out to her.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. The winner's attitude would have been
2: your attitude.
0: (laughs) All right. So what you're saying then is, is that upon deeper reflection in the past after the event, that's when you recognize, OK, and we've got two examples of that. One is the example of listening to a video and recognizing that you were using what we consider in our culture low class language. OK, and then the other one it would be that uh, about your attitude and you recognize your uh, that your attitude was uh, was stinky. Because somebody gave you some flack about it,
1: is that right?
2: uh, Yeah. Well, look, the twelve-step program is about reflection anyway, and I try Mm -hmm. to be self-conscious as well, Damorato.
0: Well, uh, let us forget about the self and just be conscious, okay? Which actually means to be awake and aware of what things are happening rather than looking at it in the sense of the results of what happened, because that's what we that's where we get started. We get started. uh, This is actually an important point, Uh, so let me spend a little bit of time with it. The um, the average Western student thinks that there is a lot to learn. There's a lot to know. There's a lot of information, a lot of sutras, a lot of stories, a lot of ways to apply the Dhamma, and the Dhamma is huge. I mean, there's 45 books in a bookcase full of it, okay? So we get the idea that there's a lot to learn. And this is a major mistake that we all make about it. I made it too in the sense that no there's not that we need to know a lot but we just need to know a few things and we need to know them often just a few things that's all there is to it so uh we've already understood uh about attitude we've talked about that and now you're coming back and saying that your attitude was was stinky only because of the results that happened later, that you could see it in retrospect. And what I'm saying is, okay, that's good, because now you're beginning to see uh, it in a comic sense of if you do something, then there's going to be a result for that. And that's the first way that we learn about Dukkha, that Dukkha is actually the result of some other behavior and that wisdom develops in the sense of seeing how things are are going to happen. One of the examples of that could be uh, uh, taking the example of hunters and guns, that if you go to a gun range, everybody on that gun range is going to be mindful and aware of which way you're pointing your gun. If you wave your gun around, not being mindful of which way it's pointed, people are going to start pointing that out to you. But you do not just wave a gun around in any old direction because that's dangerous. If the gun goes off, the bullet is going to go whichever direction the barrel is pointed. So we have to keep track of which way things are pointing. This is a really excellent definition of wisdom. Wisdom is not necessarily seeing dukkha as it arises, but it's seeing how things are going, seeing the direction that things are headed in, just like seeing how the gun is pointed. So this is the new level of wisdom or the new thing about dukkha is not just being able to see dukkha, but to see it as it's being created or as things are pointing. All right. So, if you can recognize, for instance, that what you're saying now uh, is going to result in someone else is thinking that you've got a stinky attitude, then catch that attitude when it's happening. When you're pointing your gun in a in a in a a stinky way, this is the way to begin to understand that we're actually working on. Uh, learning how to see things in advance. But in order to do that, we have to see the way things are uh, in the moment. So if you do something and then that, that occurs dukkha, you can look back a little bit and say, oh, the reason why she got upset is me is because I said things in a way uh, that showed that I didn't have a good attitude. So now I can begin to use that as an example so that when I have a no good attitude, I'm not going to open my mouth and dump all of that attitude on a girlfriend because she's going to give me an attitude back. Okay, so this is how we begin to to see things is by uh, looking at the cause effect. And as we do that, we begin to back up in time so that we catch things quicker and quicker. So uh, in this example that we're talking about, I do not need to know who manufactures every gun. I do not need to know how to field strip every gun that comes into the shop or into the place. All I need to know about that gun is which direction is it pointing. Yeah,
2: you were speaking to, I think, Lorient the other day about dependent origination. Is this kind of similar stuff
1: hmm. This is
2: what we're
0: talking about. This is dependent origination. In other words, uh, the result is uh, has has a, um, a dependency. OK, the result had a dependency. What did we do that caused this result? And we recognize within Petitius Samapati, there's 12 steps in there. There are the 12 things that can happen. And we can put a stop to that sequence at any point along the way if we can see it.
2: 12 things is a lot,
0: though, isn't it? Right. It is. And it's a skill to be developed. And that most of the time people recognize dukkha when they're already in it. When we're already in it is when people see it. Uh, Here's an example. Imagine that two people are in an argument. Somewhere along the time in that argument, one or the other of them are going to wake up to recognize that this argument is going nowhere. It's headed down the tubes. That's literally what we mean by that. When we recognize that this argument is going in the wrong direction is when we end it. One of the ways of ending an argument is somebody to storm out of the room and maybe slam the door on the way out. But if nobody does that, then that argument is going to walk, wind up in violence. And if nobody wakes up, then you're going to wind up with a corpse. And only then do the people see the dukkha because you've got a dead body you've got to bury. And that's a lot of work, right? It's better to wake up sometime in advance. Let's wake up before the knives come out. Let's wake up while the argument is still going on and put an end to it. Then later we can say, wait a minute, when the argument starts and I recognize that this is an argument, I can put a stop to it then. And then, and possibly the best way to do that is as soon as you recognize that you've raised your voice, when you raise your voice, that should be the guide to saying, "Oh no, this gun is pointed in the wrong direction. I've raised my voice. Let's change that and point this, this mouth of mine someplace else." Okay. okay. Well, to be fair,
1: that's very practical
2: stuff.
0: Well, the next step would be before you even open your mouth, you can see that this, uh, this is heading into an argument. Let's not go there. I don't even have to shout a loud word. I can see where this is headed
2: even sooner. I was, this, the, other day, the other day, Damaretto, I was watching myself with a big mouth in real time, but I still couldn't stop it. Well, you didn't stop it.
0: It's not that you couldn't, it's that you didn't because you could not see the dukkha yet. You still saw some advantage and you did not see the danger. That's why you couldn't stop It's because you still thought that it was going to give you some advantage. If I keep yelling at her, she'll do what I want her to do.
2: Well, this different, this situation was a bit different. I was trying to be funny and uh, I was loud. And I was like, I could see it happening now, but I just couldn't stop it. It was a feeling inside. I don't know. It's just all patterns and all behaviors that I have.
0: Okay. But waking up to them means then that you can also wake up enough not to just see them, but to put a stop to it, to halt it. Not that I can put uh, to see that I'm yelling, but to stop yelling. To shut my mouth. And that takes some effort. It does for me. Do. <laughs> okay, so that means that we need to uh, practice that right effort. To practice of the effort to shut down our mouth. To shut down the, the unwholesome thoughts that we're having. To remove those hindrances from the mind. And take it that way from uh, one's right um, effort. So we have to practice that effort so that when you do yell, you will have the strength. You will have uh, uh, the skill developed that you can take the right effort to shut your mouth. You can practice that. And the way that you are practicing it is by thinking about that argument and say, stop. And then go do something else. Take a different track. So this is what we mean now about we don't need to know a whole lot of suttas in order to shut our mouth. All we need to know is is that we're yelling and it's time to stop and I can stop. And that's all we
1: need to know.
2: Okay. The other day, Deborah, I
1: thought
2: I was going through a bit of suffering in my business because sometimes I get a bit paranoid. And I was it, it took me about an hour of hard work to get rid of it, to get the unforeseen thoughts completely out. Is, is that is that okay? That sometimes it might take an hour of hard work of fighting with the thoughts? It is when that's the
0: wrong effort of fighting with it. The way to do it is to do it joyfully in the sense of, aha, I see it again. There it is again. I can handle that. You see, when you're fighting with it, you think that it's an enemy and that it's a strong enemy and that you have to fight because
2: you're weak. No, it wasn't a fight like that. It was because my mind was in a loop anyway when I'm suffering. Same thoughts. So it was more like that. So it just took a lot of work to get them out.
0: Ah, but every time you see that thought, that's getting it out. Uh Aha, I see you is now not that thought. Okay. look at it like this. Imagine that these these thoughts are this way and that we're in it. We're stuck on it. All right. I am angry. I am foolish. I am frustrated. I am this, that and the other thing. And then the waking up and taking the right effort is to say, aha, I see you. And now the thoughts are there, but you're not the thoughts. You're the observer of those thoughts. So you change your frame of reference from being the thinker into being the observer of it. Aha, I see you. That's okay. the change that we make, the right effort to come out of it and to, be, and to see it objectively. In other words, you are not that frustrating thought. You're the observer of that frustrating thought. This is who you are now, not the thought itself. Later, we'll recognize that we have the thought, we have the observer, but I'm not either one of those things. There is observation, but I am not the observer it is exactly the same as there are frustrating thoughts, but I'm not the thought. So in a way, we would have I, I see that thought and now I see the observer. OK, so that's the way that you begin to look at it is, is that you are not those thoughts. You can you can observe them from the outside. And that's the that's the right effort is to say, I see those thoughts, but I am not those thoughts. I'm the one who sees the thoughts. Yeah. Okay. Um, yes, I'm sir, the observer. It. I am not the thought. I'm the observer of the thought. I remove myself. I get some distance from it. Okay. Practice yesterday, it that way. See it that you are not that dukkha. You are not it. You are the one who sees it from a distance.
2: Okay. Well, yesterday I had some good practice that were thought. And And now from my meditation, I've heard you say life. We get life. And you use the word enlightenment, that you say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lighten up. Life. But I actually can feel light like, now and I I could I never felt like that before for my meditation. I've had some positive thoughts and some experience with the jhanas, but now I'm starting to get light and it's pretty nice and relaxing and mm-hmm. calm. But uh, w- when you're like that, your attitude naturally is just quite good.
0: Well I, I let us say that when your attitude is that good, you're naturally light. Okay. That it's our attitude of being light that creates the lightness, just like the attitude of being heavy creates the heaviness. Our attitude is is very much involved with that. And you can recognize that you have a choice about the way that we're going to feel. We have a choice about our attitude. And And the best choice about it is to see that I am not that heavy dukkha. I am not that. Complaining thought. I see it, and because I can see it, I've already changed it from being stuck in it to just seeing it there. So you've already made what change you need to make. I am not frustrated. I see frustration. And aha, uh-huh, I am not frustrated. Uh-huh. Aha. <laughs> just because there is frustration there doesn't mean that I have to be frustrated. That's the old way of doing it. But when we see the frustration, you recognize, oh, that's just frustration. No big deal.
1: Not a problem. Because you're not the frustration. You can change that by
0: withdrawing, coming out with the phrase the Buddha used, aha, I see you. He says, aha, I see you, uh, uh, Myra, but we could use it with whatever we're doing. Aha, I see you, boredom. I
1: see you, frustration. I see you, bad attitude. I see you, victim. I see you, Breeze. (laughs) Oh, there you are. Yeah, I lost you there for a sec,
2: but you're back there now. Um, yeah, I'm hearing all that. Um, what else i like to say, Damirato? Uh...
1: There's no problem the if
0: we just stay with this. That's the important thing. Is can you stay with? Aha! I am not those thoughts. That I'm the observer of those thoughts.
2: But then we come to find we're not the observer either. But we're, no, no, they're, they're right.
0: There's just observation. There's no need for an observer. Just observation. But observation is so much better than being stuck in it. I am the frustration. I see the frustration. Uh, there is the seeing of frustration. And so we don't have to worry so much about who am I. What we can begin to understand much better is who I am not. You'll never find out who you are. All you'll ever be able to find out is what you're not. And whatever you're not, what does that mean? Whatever you thought you were, you're not that. Don't worry about who you are. worry about can you see Dukkha in advance. That people who go around worrying about who they are, that's a bunch of dukkha. Cause they'll never figure it out because we're always a moving target. Sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. So if you say I'm a nut, sometimes you're not. And so there's no reason to try to figure out who we are. What we can do instead is better uh, is to make sure that we know what we're not. So when we say, I am frustrated, the answer to that is, no, you're not. You're not frustration. You can see the frustration. And then you say, oh, well, I'm the one who sees. No, you're not. You're just observing. The observation. Sometimes you observe, sometimes you don't. So you can't say, I am the observer, because that'll change too. So we don't need to worry about who we are. The better thing is to forget about it. It's not an important point. Now, in Western Buddhism, anatta has become a great big hindrance to so many people because they think that, oh, I've got to figure out who I am. And the Buddha's already says, no, don't try to figure out who you are. Try to figure out dukkha. Because if you try to figure out who you are, you'll wind up being dukkha. That's what you'll be. But if you can see dukkha, then you won't become the dukkha. If you don't become the dukkha, there's no telling who you are. You don't know.
2: Okay. And ju- just when you mentioned the Buddha, Zammarato, I know they say he sat under the tree for six years. But realistically...
0: No, he didn't. No, he, didn't.
2: No. he was all over the
0: place. No. Okay. But, You're talking but about
2: t- the time that he
0: did sit under the tree was was yeah. more just like a couple of weeks or maybe six weeks or so. That was the time, but not six years. No, he was out practicing austerities. He was becoming a very thin dude. He wasn't eating well. He was uh, doing self-gradulation and all of that kind of stuff. He was a wandering sadhu.
2: Okay, but when, uh, as soon as he got into the first jhana again, or into the jhanas, it, it only took him one night to become the Buddha then, is, is that correct? Well,
0: Uh, According to the suttas, he had been doing first jhana since childhood. He had been doing first jhana since childhood, but he did not understand the value of the first jhana. That's why he wanted more jhanas and more jhanas and more jhanas. It was only after he came to conclusion that the way that he had been practicing was wrong that he was never going to become enlightened by practicing the kind of ways and austerities and whatnot. And then he recollected, why was I afraid of the pleasures of first jhana when the pleasures of first jhana are not sensual pleasures? And that indeed the first jhana is the path to enlightenment. Okay. okay. Getting yourself out of dukkha into sukkha. That's the whole point of First Janna. Can you get yourself into a state of sukha and then keep it? Or are you going to fall back into hindrances?
2: You did, or I did hear something as well, Damarato, about them 12 parts of dependent origination. Is that something you have to figure out when you're into jhanas as well to become?
1: Actually, uh,
0: by soul- getting... Uh.
2: By getting into first
0: jhana, you have to watch what you're doing. Once you get into first jhana, now you have the skill to watch what you're doing. Uh Okay, so first jhana is actually investigating what is. Now, when we're in hindrance, when we're investigating, we're investigating hindrances and dukkha and all of that. When we've come out of that, Then we are going to investigate what we did to get out of that. So we're actually now going to take applied and sustained thought as our object. We're going to investigate that. We're going to ask questions like, how is my sati? Because that's how I got here. How is my um, uh, sukha? How is my piti? How is my applied thought? How is my sustained thought? Basically, what we're going to do in first jhana is review first jhana over and over and over again to develop that pity and develop that sukka. Once we get the pity and the sukka really strongly developed, then we don't have to do the applied and sustained thought to keep that going. And that would be the second jhana is just experiencing how good we feel. That's the second jhana. The first, jhana is getting ourselves into feeling good, talking ourselves into feeling good, putting the mind to feeling good. And then after we get ourselves feeling really good, now we're going to pay most attention to not how we got to feel so good, but actually how good we do feel. That's about as far as we need to take the progress right now. So that would be what do you do when the mind is fit for work is you look at how the mind got fit for work. Because we're going to like,
2: improve yeah, that. Yesterday and the, the day before, I think definitely yesterday, I could have loads of applied and sustained wholesome thoughts. But I, I, and I feel calm, I feel relaxed, I feel light. But I still don't have that pity or suka. Well, you just said you did, and then you said you don't. Well, yeah, I feel calm and relaxed, but it, it's not the same joyous feeling I had before. Damoraw. Well, you're not, wanting
0: something you don't have. That's the whole point. No. There you go again. All right, no no, major, no, 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 Listen to me. This is a major problem with students is, is that once they have an experience, they think that that experience is so marvelous that they've got to do it again. And when they do that, now they want something that they don't have. They're guaranteeing that they can't get it again because they want it now. The first time that you got it, you didn't want it. You allowed yourself to be relaxed enough that you fell into it. Now that you've had it, now you want it. You can't have it when you want it because dukkha is, the definition of dukkha is wanting something that you don't have. We need to get ourselves back into a state of satisfaction. I'm okay. Whatever this is, this is good enough. It will get better if it's good enough. So we have to start with it being good enough. And the second time, it wasn't good enough because you wanted it to be like the first time.
1: What is
2: it when your imprints actually do, and I've been noticing it lately, where my imprints are actually really starting to get satisfying?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I actually It actually feels really nice to take a nice deep
0: well, just be satisfied. Work with that feeling of satisfied. How satisfied do you feel? Is this satisfied enough? Yeah, this is satisfactory enough. This is, uh, yeah, that's satisfied. Because if it's not satisfied enough, it's not satisfied. You have you to said- actually practice it to be okay. That is all right. Whatever satisfaction you've got, that's it. That's good enough. Okay, it's not good enough, it's not satisfaction, it's something else, it's disappointment. You
2: said a few minutes ago that we don't need to take the progress any further, just get into first jhana and sustain it. But if first jhana
0: staying in those feelings of sukha, staying in the feeling of being safe, secure, comfortable, satisfied, and successful, stay with that safe, secure comfortable satisfied and successful
2: but if the first path is the path to enlightenment there's nothing else to do with there
0: there is Uh, no path there is no path to enlightenment it's not a path at all it's a method it's something you do it's like um, the method of putting on your shoes is not the journey of a thousand miles Most people have, uh, for some reason or another, within Buddhism, they think that they have to take a journey of a 1,000 miles just to get their shoes put on. No, you got to put your shoes on. That's a method. You don't have to go anywhere to put your shoes on. You do not have to take a journey of a 1,000 miles to put your shoes on. You just put them on, okay? (laughs) No place to go. It's not a path. It's a method.
2: There's, so there is nothing else to do in this journey other than getting into First Jana and sustainment. That's the whole method. Well, else- I
0: wouldn't, I wouldn't, while that is true, I wouldn't state it that way because getting into is, in fact, part of the hindrance. So don't look at it as getting into, but rather the way of thinking about it is getting out of the unwholesome thoughts. Wanting to get into something is an unwholesome thought. Wanting to get into something is the unwholesome thought. Wanting something, getting into, et cetera. The right way to practice is, oh, I don't need that. Never mind. I can throw that thought out and just be satisfied. Safe, secure, comfortable, and satisfied. Okay. The way that we get satisfied is by not wanting anything, not getting into anything, just simply being satisfied. Ah, this is good enough.
2: I, like like Demaretto, you told me that when you're in 1st Janna, you're already enlightened. So what's the difference between 1st Janna and stream entry?
0: Stream entry has a lot to do with how eager you are for the Dhamma. If you are eager for the Dhamma, then you're in the stream, you're in the flow of the Dhamma. If you're not thinking about the Dhamma, if you're thinking about going to town or going to the show or getting late or any of that kind of stuff, then you're not in the flow of the Dhamma. You're not in the stream of the Dhamma. You're wanting something else. So, so you're telling
2: me I'm a stream mentor?
0: No, only you could say that. That's not my business. I don't give a flying rip.
2: (laughs) Uh, You do. You do give a shit.
0: No, I enjoy when people are in a state of enjoyment. Yeah, but you know what the Westerners cost? I know the Westerners have made a big, big deal out of ordinary things. And because they made a big deal out of ordinary things, when they find ordinary things, they think those ordinary things are not good enough because they've already got an idea of what things should be. Okay. And things are not the way that they should be. They're the way that they are. And if we can come to the point of enjoying the way things are, then that's enlightenment. Making things the way that you think that they should
2: be is hell. But is there somewhere you can get? and I know you I know these are the wrong words, themmaraato. but is there somewhere where you can get where you get a stage and you can't go back to it?
0: No. Anywhere that you've been, you can go back to. The question is, do you have the skills to keep heading in the right direction?
2: And what 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 is a sort of upon? Um, is that the right word sort of upon?
0: The Sotapan is the same thing. That's the poly for the word stream entry. And what it means is you're in the stream of the Dhamma. You're in it now because that's what you care about. You're enthusiastic. You're eager. You want to hear the Dhamma. That you're, let us say it like this, that if you're on the computer, you're on YouTube, then you want to naturally listen to Dhamma. You don't want to listen to the news because the news is full of Dukkha. Now, if you oh. can listen to Okay, so if you've already got the Dharma, if you've already got your joy, then you could put up with the news without getting stuck in it. But if you get stuck in the news, then the better thing to do is to go listen to Dharma because that's what you really care about anyway. That's what a stream enter is,
1: is one who is seeking the Dharma wherever it may be found. Okay. Yeah, That's I what a entry is, is, is being in it
0: right now, thinking about the Dhamma, wallowing in the Dhamma, playing with the Dhamma, seeing the Dhamma. Um, one of the examples of that is in the Sutta, is imagine that a cow has a brand new calf. They are too old. That mother cow uh, continues to eat her grass. She's out grazing, but she's got one eye on that calf. That calf is not going to go anywhere, not even a step without mother cow watching over that calf. That's the way that we can think of. Though you go about your daily living and eating your cud, you still are watching that baby dukkah or that that baby dhamma. You're guarding it. You're keeping track of it. Every step of the way, you don't let that dhamma out of your sight. That's the stream entry.
1: Well, well, if that's the case,
2: half the day I'm a stream mentor. Okay. Well, if if that's the criteria, twelve hours in a day I'm a stream mentor. Might be eight yes. some days. It could be twelve another day. It could be sixteen another day.
1: Okay.
0: But if you're judging it, engaging it, and wanting it, and and uh, uh, being proud of it, then you're not in it right then. Right. Being well, proud I of being in the Dhamma half the time, that moment
2: of being proud of it, you're not in it. You're
0: in pride I, instead.
2: What I thought stream entry was, I, I'm definitely not in that stream entry, but if you're saying all you want to do was learn about the Dhamma, well, that means I'm a stream mentor some of the time.
0: But that doesn't mean anything. It's only in Western Buddhism that they put these kind of attainments on there as if these attainments mean something. They don't mean anything. What means something is is that you're curious and interested in the Dhamma. That's what we're really talking about. Not that we put some stupid label on it, that we're very label-oriented. It's like getting a degree or getting a certificate.
2: But, Tamarato, you could just say... Because, like, you told me before when someone used, even if you asked Dasa, are you enlightened, he would never answer that question, when clearly he was.
0: Well, that is clear to you. It's (laughs) irrelevant. (laughs) you know, so. Remember that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Actually, that's not correct. Beauty is in the mind of the beholder. If you see Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa as enlightened, then he is. Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa is wise enough not to pen any labels on it. You're the one who is pinning the label. Recognize that you're the one who is calling him beautiful.
2: Well, if I never met the man and sometimes I see a picture of him and I get a feeling like he's my granddad, he obviously is a beautiful man, a beautiful soul or whatever. Well, a lot of people think so. Including yourself. Well, I
0: also recognize that that's just an attitude. That's just a thought. And I don't actually know. And it doesn't even
1: matter. Well, it kind of does
0: what it I, <laughs> No, you know, it uh, doesn't. Because those labels are important to use why it matters. The word enlightenment is just a label. It doesn't mean anything. The word arahant is just a label. It doesn't mean anything inherently. Okay. Words need to be defined in order for them to be used. And most of the time we get these highfalutin Pali polywords into the English, and the Western Buddhists don't really understand that these words just have working definitions. They don't mean anything. There's nothing inherent in the word um, arahat. Let's use that word for a moment. That, in fact, uh, I don't know if you know this, but there has been uh, some controversy with one particular monk saying, oh, this guy is a liar. He's not enlightened because, or he's not an Erehot because he does not fit my definition of an Erehot. Okay. So where this where this guy, Dan, has already said, yes, I am an Erehot, but I've got my own definition of the word. Okay, okay. right. Yep. right. Well, I know I, don't, I don't know that Dan you're one of those. Okay, So we can let Dan have his own definition. We don't have to shove our definition of a word down Dan's throat just so we can accuse him of not being what he says he is. That's ridiculous. okay? I'm also, I'm just smart enough. Been around bhikkhu Buddha Dasa enough to know that it's better for me to not make myself a target. Because yes. if I claim anything, somebody's going to say, "Oh no, you're not that." Because I know my definition of that word, and you ain't it. So why claim anything? All you're doing is just making trouble. That's dangerous. That's why I, uh, from uh, the wise point of view, is don't claim anything.
2: Okay. Yeah, but just because you claim something as well, it doesn't mean it's not true. Or just because something has a label, it doesn't mean it's not true either. Well, just because
0: something's true right now doesn't make it true three minutes from now either.
2: Okay, so what's the difference between, and I know it's only a label, let just say there are labels. What's the so-called difference between a Sothapon and a Narhat?
0: Well, the whole point is is that we can give up on trying to figure that out and just be satisfied.
2: Okay. If not, people find these things interesting. But anyway. Yes, they
0: do. And they will never find any satisfaction because they're too busy trying to figure out these labels and trying to stick that label on something and it doesn't stick to it. Okay. The better thing is to stop with all of that Knowledge and just sit down and be satisfied, be happy.
2: Okay, well, I can hear my little man crying, he's up there. Now I have one more question, Damorato, and I know you say there's no magic in the Dhamma, and look, this is not really magic, but the more conscious the days when I've been more conscious and I have really good practice, some strange good coincidence have happened. Is this right. just a well, coincidence?
0: That's exactly right. They are coincidences, but you're paying attention now. Those coincidences were happening right, right, and center, and you just weren't paying any attention. I see coincidences all the time. I've
2: heard people say, people who are, I right. have no, but I've heard people who claim to be enlightened, and I think they have good dama, and this, the, the. Someone might ask them what what do you make of the universe? And they'd say, I think the universe is conscious. Would you agree with that? Or
1: oh shit, I pissed you off tonight. <laughs> <laughs> uh the problem
0: with that is is that we have not defined either the word universe or conscious. And so people will take whatever use of the word that they want with the universe and whatever use of the one of the word conscious, and they'll just haul off into all kinds of directions without
2: properly defining the words. Yeah, but just generally speaking, would you agree that the universe is, is conscious and there is such thing as non-duality? Say. Just say
0: uh, yes here, or no. Here's my answer. I have six answers, not two. You gave me a choice of yes or no. I will also take the choice of both. Yes and no. I will also take the answer of neither one. It is neither one of them. The next one, the fifth answer is, is that I really don't know. And the sixth answer is I don't give a flying rip. (laughs) (laughs) Why not? Because it doesn't matter. What matters is, am I satisfied whether the universe, whatever that is, is conscious, whatever that is, or not? The question is, am I satisfied? See, you're asking magical questions and, and are going to remain confused. And confused is not satisfied. You can be satisfied without knowing the answer to those kind of
2: questions. Okay, Demarato. I really enjoyed today's talk. I feel like we're getting very. I feel like we're getting very friendly. And uh, now, I, now, I have to go and be a dad. What, one, give me one quick tip. How, how you say the kids in Thailand are nurtured? Give me an example. How I, I do give lots of hugs and kisses, but give me an example how the kids in Thailand are nurtured, different than the West. Um, here's an
0: example: when the child goes off to school. The teachers, uh, the the parents will say, do a good job, pay attention. And what I tell my daughter is, when she goes to school, have fun today, make some friends.
1: Okay. Well, that's a good tip. Mhm. Well, no
2: matter. Thanks very much, and I'll be hopefully I'll be in touch soon. Thank you, Damoreto.
1: Right, we'll see you later. Good to talk. Thank you. you. You too. You too, Baba.